0: God. <clears throat> so today I thought I would tell you three stories of healing. Just want to have a little chat. <laughs> I'll be the same. Nah. All right. Anyway, we'll have a little chat and uh, everybody will be included. But I thought I would talk to you uh, in some understanding in three different stories of healing. The first story is called Ten lepers wenting. Ten lepers
1: wenting.
0: <laughs> in in, in with the theme of the season. <clears throat> so these are our ten lepers wenting. In Luke uh, chapter 17, you'll find that story or that version of the story that we'll talk about today. I just thought I want to bring out some important points so you will understand how healing happens. How Jesus works with us to heal us i think if there's one thing i want you one conclusion i want you to draw today is that god wants you well desperately desperately he desperately wants you well Um, if jesus did not want you well he would not have taken stripes a horrible whipping To pay the price so that you could come to the throne of grace without fear, trepidation, without uh, discouragement, feeling that you don't belong there. He wants you in his presence and he wants you whole. He wants you restored. He wants everything that is good for you in your life. And we must understand that we must believe that and we have to embrace it because It is getting more and more difficult in the world to get help in so many different areas. And you know and I know that diseases increase. There are new diseases coming along. If there's one thing we know about microorganisms, they know how to survive. And so they'll learn how to mutate, replicate. And so from that comes new disease. And so we have to be ever vigilant, not just for ourselves. And if I could get you to understand that, God has put you here as an answer to somebody else's prayer. You are believers who are empowered to pray for the sick and God will heal them. You don't have to heal anybody. You just have to pray in faith. Amen. And the Bible says they will recover. You've got to believe that they will recover. If, if you're so down on yourself, forget them as your hands. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Pretend like they're somebody else's hands. A Benny Hinn or Catherine Kuhlman or somebody. A thing, <laughs> Whatever. But I was watching a little Adam's family last week. I repent. But anyhow, you know what I'm saying. You, you just, you've got to take yourself out of it. But put yourself in as a believer. Put yourself in as a person of faith who can make a difference. Put yourself in as somebody who's anointed of God to do what you do on a believer's level. I wish people would quit trying to jump up in a pulpit. Man, you pass so many sick people on your way to trying to be a minister. It's unreal. If we could just get everybody positioned where they're supposed to be positioned and functioning at the level that they're called to function we could get some work done down here folks you could pray for so many sick people it will amaze you how many people god will heal just because you reach out and do what he commands us to do you know that word when it says go ye into all the world that's a command that means get to get and go hightail it get on out of here go somewhere and do something for somebody that's what that means it's no if and butter maybe and it's no well i don't know if i should do that you know what you ought to do you know when you when you hear somebody complaining about sickness what comes to your mind Uh it should if it doesn't it should You know, all you have to do is say, you know what? God wants to heal you. You mind if I pray for you? If they say no, they say no. Don't get offended. They just said no. Huh? Didn't get offended. Well, I ain't going to even go there. People just. But you know what I'm saying. You know how to get the door open for these things. You know, you don't take no as a final answer from everybody. That was just no from that one person. Huh? I'll never forget i went to, thought I was going to see my father in the hospital, and I was standing there and it it took some doing to get over there man it was it was on the west side, but what not my west side you know what I'm saying I'm further out. And, I'm up there at Metro, and I think, <laughs> did I run into Charay or not? Finally ran into her. But anyway, usually if I go over there, I try to see where she is. Because it's a maze. You're like a rat in a maze over there. I don't even know how I got to his room. And, uh, you know, I worked at a lot of hospitals. That wasn't one of them, so I didn't know my way around. And I finally got there, and my dad didn't recognize me. He thought I was an old girlfriend or something. I said, come on, daddy. Not... <laughs> Man, I may beat it all the way up here. And he told me, who are you? I'm thinking, oh, man. Them old players. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 94-year old players. I said, I'm your daughter. He said, what's your name? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm standing there looking around. I said, well, I can't preach to the wallpaper. I can't, you know. But there was a man behind the curtain, the roommate on the other side of the curtain. I kept hearing bits of a conversation and he had two visitors with him and there was a young woman there and she knew the Bible like forwards and backwards. I'm gonna tell you something folks. Know your word by your spirit, by unction. Because there's some slippery rascals out here, There's people out here perpetrating as believers. And she was telling him scripture and telling I know all of this stuff. I've been in this the devil set her there to hinder him from receiving salvation. Because if a person ain't saved, they can't minister salvation. You can, as such as I have, I give you. If you don't have it, you can't give it to nobody. So she's talking all around the circle and trying to get him to put his confidence in her. And he kept saying, he said, yeah, I understand that. He said, but I just want to know if I can be saved. If I, he kept hollering out for salvation. I said, hold the show. Wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Now you know why you're there, Right. And I started ministering to that man through that curtain. That girl shut up. I didn't have to bind her or nothing. She just knew, you know, devils know what to do when the anointing's there. And God started filling up that room with his presence. That man started crying. And I told him, I said, listen, brother, you are saved. The Bible says you call on the name of Jesus. I said, you trust in Jesus. I know Jesus. I want him to save me. I said, well, you're saved. Next day, we had sent Sheree to give him some materials. No no man in the bed, no nothing. You know, I don't know if he died that night or not. But you know what? I pulled the curtain back. I said, do you mind if I shake your hand? I said, welcome to the family of God. And he had bandages from one end of his body to the next. You got me? So you don't ever know the condition of a soul. And you don't know how. We don't know if he made it through the night or what. But when Sheree went to find him the next day, he was not there. And so you don't know, you know, we need to quit passing up opportunities, you know. I wasn't there to visit my daddy. He didn't even know who I was. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Let's just get real here. There are some things that, that God will put you on assignment to do. He won't tell you what you're supposed to do until you get in the place of doing it. You got me? But if you're in the place of doing it, I can tell you this much. You're qualified to do the job. He don't send unqualified people anywhere. You got me? You're qualified to do whatever it is that's before you to do. Don't get this out. Oh, I wonder what. Don't quit wondering and just open your mouth and let him fill it with words <clears throat> and he will do it. So our ten lepers went In Luke chapter 17, starting in verse, I think it's verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass as as they went, they were cleansed. That's where we get the wenting from. Act like you're healed before you're healed. God will heal you. Go get up and do something that well people do, and, and you'll be well if you're living by faith. Once you prayed the prayer of faith and received your healing, go start acting like it. And your healing will manifest. It will catch up to you. And so Jesus sent these men off under instruction. There's always instruction when you're winting. You just don't went. You got me? There's instruction when you're wenting. And so he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was samaritan he was a samaritan and jesus answering said were not ten lepers cleansed but where are the nine they're not found they return to give god glory save this stranger and he said to him arise <clears throat> go your way your faith has made you whole now there are several things we want to see here number one lepers stand at a distance stand at a distance why they were contaminated and they were forbidden to come into contact with the general population. One of the things that lepers were commanded to do was when they were, were had to walk past people or be around people, they would holler out the word unclean, unclean. So their confession kind of validated their sickness. They called themselves unclean constantly. Where's the faith to turn that around? Uh, Where's the faith to turn that around? So they were required to shout unclean and people would run, hide and distance themselves. Their confession sealed their fate. It was a constant confession of guilt, blame and shame. Think of what say calling yourself unclean all the time would do to you. You wouldn't feel good about yourself you feel guilty? What did I do to, to be in this mess that I'm in? Is there any way for me to get out of it? And so, <clears throat> and that's why sometimes, why we feel conviction when we confess sickness after we're saved. You ever notice that? You you somehow, you say, no, I shouldn't say that. You know, you, you correct yourself because the darkness that comes when you make that kind of type of confession doesn't feel good to you. The Holy Spirit lets you know, don't say that. Because that's not you. That's not who you are. Amen. And so in the presence of Jesus, I think these men started to feel that way. They started to feel, you know what? I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to settle for being unclean. I don't like it when I walk around and people run away from me. I want to be around people. I want to be normal, you know. And so the conviction of God will come upon you when your confession is a lie. hey. After God's touched you, you're no longer unclean. Amen. After that touch, it's it's you know, it's all over. But the shouting on that one. So they are asking in verse 12, they said, Master, have mercy on us. Hmm? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. As a master, he is a teacher of the law. So they saw him kind of like on the same level as a priest, because the the rabbis and the teachers of the law oftentimes overlapped into the priesthood. You could be a Levite and you could be a teacher there and handle offerings and sacrifices. So he was an officer of the Jewish law. So they were going to somebody in authority to get rescued from their sickness but they also saw jesus doing something that the normal rabbis and masters didn't do and that is laying hands on the sick touching people who were ill and it had no effect on him because god was with him so they knew that god was with him in a different fashion than they'd ever seen it before and so they kind of tended to look to jesus as well if if I can't get my healing the normal way and I can't show myself to the priest because it looks like my my leprosy is is drying up and and getting better. Then I'll go to him as somebody that I know they say has power with God and he can do something. Listen, Jesus doesn't mind if he's your last resort. You understand me? A lot of people go to him after they've exhausted every other avenue. You know, the people you thought would help you, the people you thought would stick by you, all that kind of stuff. And then you finally go to God. Don't feel bad about it. He doesn't feel bad about it. He'll welcome you anytime you come. So they ask him to have mercy. And as the Messiah, he has the power to heal and bring salvation to Israel. The Samaritan was in the company of Jews. Because Jews referred them to the priests. Now, Jesus referred them to the priests to show that they were healed. So they were familiar with the Jewish law. They knew what the law stipulated. And so Jesus kept them under the law. But this Samaritan somehow saw it a little bit differently. And you'll see that with people who are. Outside of the covenant with God, you see that over and over and over again in the word of God in the New Testaments in dealing with Jesus. Why? He says he came to his own, but his own received him not. But to those who received him, they received power to become the sons of God. So these people are operating the Samaritan The outsider, the
1: Gentile,
0: is operating really in a higher law because the law of the priesthood is about to be done away with once Jesus fulfills everything. But he refers the Jew to the avenue that's familiar to him so that his faith will work. Because you can't tell the Jewish person you're healed, go your way. And he knows what's facing him. He knows what the law says he's supposed to do. Because had he had had the opportunity to go to the priest before, he'd have been there already. So they're asking Jesus to have mercy on them. But he knows, he said, no, these Jewish brothers, they're going to want to go and make the offering, the sacrifice. I'm going to let them do that. I'm going to tell them that's okay. To get validated. See, it's okay to go to the doctor. Once you start going, it's okay to go back and make sure they don't find any more whatever you had when you were there the last time. He'll let you do it. But if you know you're healed and you don't need all that, he'll let you do that too. And see, you see both kinds of people here. You see both kinds. He knows how to accommodate everybody. You know, there are a lot of people that... that, uh, I think it was Roberts Lairdon that said one time he would try to teach his his grandmother how to receive her healing through the word. She just wouldn't do it. She said, lay hands on me. She had hell every single time when she got hands laid on her because that's the way she released her faith. And so it's much better, though, if you know how to, you know, come on now. <laughs> there's so many ways to get healed because there's so many different Ways that people think about healing. So many different backgrounds, etcetera, et cetera. So these Jews knew that in order for them to know... See, it's about where your point of contact is for the release of your faith. And Jesus is smart enough to know what's in everybody's heart and everybody's minds. And he knows these Jews ain't going to go, go winting and believe nothing. He said, nah, you go to the priest, you offer the sacrifice that's required... Get the priest to check you off and they know they're healed after that. But see, his word healed them and their symptoms were gone, but they still were obligated under the law to go through the sacrifices and so forth and so on. Sometimes, you know what you need to do if something lingers over your mind and you're not sure about something. You go and have it checked out, get it validated. Some people just need that. Sometimes you've been to the doctor, you got a rap sheet, and you got this, and you got that, and you got to go have your record expunged. You know what I'm
1: saying? (laughs) Go in there.
0: You fell in there in a fit of fear and panic. Huh? Sneaked up in there instead of calling for the elders of the church, let them pray over you. Sneaked on off somewhere without getting. See, the prayer of faith will save you. Save you time, energy, money. You don't think it's going to work because you can get nervous about something. Huh? <laughs> so, Master, have mercy on us. He tells them, go show yourself to the priest. A Samaritan was in the company of Jews And so it, it, but he saw the law differently. He saw Jesus as a God of mercy, able to do anything. And he saw that he was healed. He turned back. It didn't say any of the others saw that they were healed either. But Jesus knew that they were. Huh? He knew that they were. This Samaritan, because he doesn't really come under the heading of somebody who's familiar with the Jewish law. He's looking at himself and he said, oh, these spots didn't disappeared on me. huh?" So he checks himself out right away. These other guys are probably waiting until they get to the priest for the priest to tell them. huh when this guy saw it he said man i didn't even get to the priest i'm healed already Huh? i'm healed already hmm? it says when he saw that he was healed turned back and with a loud voice glorified god he fell down on his face giving him thanks and he was samaritan and jesus says wait a minute he says you mean there's only one person that turned around and gave? Well, this is typical of the Jew. This is typical of the, this is why longtime believers can't get a healing and somebody just comes in off the street. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. Typical. People of privilege tend to abuse it. Huh? Because they think they, there's something to this walking with god a long time you know what i'm saying i mean you tell me what it is to, to you you know it's different for everybody it is not some badge you get because you know oh look at i've been saved for x number of years and i've been going to this church for me, 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 me. you don't get any badges for that you still got to live by faith if you let that take living by faith away from you, you have done yourself no good. And see, many people get into, I've been saved and I should know this, or I should be doing this, or I should, you know, you get back into this legal thing in your head about what you should be accomplishing because of how long you've been sitting there. A <laughs> uh, perfect attendance award. huh. It's just a piece of paper to throw up on your wall for a minute. huh? And so we have to be careful that we don't <clears throat> start to slip and take for granted what God does for us through the use of our faith. And think our faith is doing something that it's not doing because of our number of years that we've been serving God or sitting there, whatever we call putting in our time is all about. So Jesus told him to go to the priest. This was the picture of a confirmed healing to nine of them. The Samaritan, whom the Jews referred to as dogs, was not focused on a priesthood, but he was focused on God. Huh? Ministers will tell you, I have no power in and of myself. I am anointed of God and power goes through me into you according to your faith, not me. And this is what makes a difference. The Samaritan was focused on God and he turned to give God thanks because he was trusting the God of the law instead of the law. See, the word cannot heal you without relationship with the God of the word. memorizing scripture confessing scripture that's all good but you must have relationship with the god who spoke that word it's have faith in god not in them words on that piece of paper you have faith in god you have faith in the author of those words To do what he needs to do in you and have. That's why he said have mercy on me. You're not speaking to a book with words on it when you say have mercy on me. You're saying that to a person. And you're saying that to a person that has mercy in them and is willing to give it to you. That Samaritan probably woke up that morning. He probably hung out with them nine brothers every day for years. (laughs) Unclean, unclean get about our way you know they probably gangsters by now they took over the town make people drop their groceries and you know what i mean come on now you ain't gonna do all of that and not get nothing out of it remember the lepers at the gate of samaria why sit we here until we die huh let's go do something let's go risk something <laughs> they say if we go in there they go kill us, if they stay out here we go get less done. We ain't gonna sit here, we gonna go do something. Huh? With our bad selves. <laughs> he did not focus on the priesthood, he focused on God. On the God of the priesthood, the God of the Word. He turned to give God thanks because he was trusting the God of the law instead of the law. When Jews obeyed the law, they had to do it by faith. The reason the Pharisees stayed in trouble is they never used their faith to do anything. They just made up a bunch of rules that they didn't abide by. Slapped them on other people. When they didn't obey, they slapped a penalty on them. When Jesus tells them, he says, Jesus told them to go and offer to the priest, show yourselves to the priest. And that means you have to show them, take an offering and a sacrifice there with you before the priest. Because you couldn't see them without an offering. If you go in there and you (laughs) take up that man of God's time, it ain't like it is now. You know, y'all slip in and slip out. You know what I'm talking about. We all been there. Cheating the, cheating the offering. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, you, you had to. You had to make your own offering, your own sacrifice. The, the process, really, of getting declared clean again could tie you up for as much as two weeks. You know, you made the sacrifice, the priest would dip it in blood and put it on your ear and all that kind of stuff. And he'd examine you and you'd had to come back to be re-examined seven days later. Make another offering, another sacrifice. So that could tie you up for a couple of weeks just trying to get cleared. The Samaritan said, you know what? I'm healed. Mm -hmm. This man spoke that word to me and he told me to go. And show myself, in other words, he didn't have to touch me. I'm doing what he told me to do. And I look down and I'm, I'm cleansed. The others, I guess, get on the waiting list. You know, they got to keep going back and keep going back. That's the way it was done. They had to be cleared by the priest because they were considered to be outside Of the mercy of God because they couldn't come into the congregation of the righteous anymore. So this had to be established to put them back in good standing with God, so to speak. Except your faith always overrides the law. Faith came before the law. They had to go to the priest in faith to make all the sacrifices work anyway. So you can circumvent all of that. By putting your faith in God and God alone and let him direct you and direct your steps. So that one Samaritan knew within himself, he had faith within himself to know which which uh, that he was healed. So he tells them to offer the sacrifice prescribed by the law. He put them on the road to a process a process we know winting to be a process sometimes your healing will manifest completely instantly sometimes you'll have a symptom leave immediately you might have to walk it out a little bit longer to get more of the symptom to leave all that kind of stuff so we know winting is a process and this is good to know because some healings will not come instantaneously Some of them you may need to feed on the word continually before all the symptoms will go. But keep feeding on the word until that's all taken care of. See, going showing yourself to the priest is the same thing as telling you you have to feed on the word a little bit longer and all that will leave you. Amen. For this this Samaritan guy, because his faith made him whole and Jesus saw that. Jesus pronounced him whole and healed himself, but he still told him to go and make the required. The requirement to the priest, see, Jesus never tried to outdo. He wasn't in competition with himself. He was the one who gave the law. Men, that law is part of God's word. So he's not going to argue with himself, but he will allow what the law provides to work and function where it's needed. But he also allows for faith to override that so that people can know that they are healed. Amen. And so to me, the greater blessing is the one that comes by faith because there is no more old covenant anymore. So we can get a lot more out of what the Samaritan did. Because we really did not come by way of the Jewish law. We came by way of faith, 100% totally. So it's hard for us to relate to all of that, the laws and the sacrifices they've been done away with, praise God. But still people will get their minds into some kind of legalism in trying to receive from God. Many times'll we'll, will because it's taken a long time for us to be see when i, I was when I, I fell and I knew I would have to went for a while, I asked God to do several things immediately, what I thought my faith would i said, God, I have to go to the conference I'm not staying home, and I asked him to get i said, Can you take this little man's head off of my knee i mean it was a you know, you know my Tommy Copper stories and trying to get it to go down and you push it down here. And it blows up over there. It's a hot mess. So I asked him, I said, God, can you please get me to the conference? And I was put plotting out everything. I saw myself getting on Tony's bus and riding there. Thank God for that bus because I couldn't have, you know, the van was, it would be too cramped up. And so I had to go by Eddie and lean on him. <laughs> I, just, I just really didn't want to do that at the meeting. So I guess, who is it, Matthew? I made him walk with me like a cane. Although I know as I was grabbing people. You know what I'm saying, winting. Doing the best you can to be normal again so that you're, you never know when it's going to kick in and manifest for you. And so I, it's taken a while. But see, I know what to do to speed it up. I just ain't doing it. Now, don't take that as that's not a flip thing to say, but I have confidence that it's it's coming and it's not really bothering me a whole lot right now. But every now and then I relapse and I say, oh, mm, I should have been more in my word if, you know, get this thing over with. You know what I'm saying, you know how we do. But the main thing is your confidence is in God. See, I know the work's been done already huh? and it's not really a matter of time. It's a matter of me putting my faith out there so that it can on a continual basis instead of putting it out, pulling it back, put it out, pull it back. You know what I'm saying? And so when I put it out there and just begin to be determined to walk in and I've God's healed me before. See, i got healed of a nervous breakdown and you know you can't tell me what god won't do for somebody who's totally crazy you understand what i'm saying i know what he'll do you know god kept me in a place where people who knew me didn't think i was really sick but i was nutty as they come think about killing myself every day Scared to go past a a picture window. I stayed in a back room in my apartment. We had a large apartment, like a house-sized apartment, 2,000-square-foot apartment. I stayed in one room there because I was scared to go up there in the front where there, there were picture windows. I was scared I'd jump out one of them windows every day for five years. I lived off tranquilizers, antidepressants, the whole nine yards, folks. So I know what God will do to keep you alive, even with the devil tormenting your mind. I know he can't kill me. He can't make me kill myself. He can't do none of that stuff to me. Huh? Why? Because God, had my life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, You know, I'm not a free agent for the devil to do anything for or to. But it took me some years to get my mind renewed to the fact that where I could believe that all the time. Some days are easier than others to believe it. And I became a victim of how I felt from day to day until God showed me how to fight that thing with the word of God. He said, when you see that word that says you heal, you talk to that stupid devil that keeps trying to torment you. And one day I'd walked out of that apartment. I know I was still look crazy, but you know nobody knew it. I was camouflaging, I was perpetrating like a sane person. I was saner than most Christians I knew too. I never met, met such a group of crazy people sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So let's, you know, hey, he kept me. I blended in with the the scenery. Uh huh. It'll shock you what God will do sometimes. It'll shock you what you can endure. People think you got to get feeling better uh, immediately. You get to the point where you can forget you're in pain. You say, you know what, a minute ago I was in so much pain, I thought I had to, you know. Come on now. It's what you attend to. You want to think about yourself all the time and how bad you feel and. People did me wrong. Me, and... me, 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 me. I got sick of me. That's what got me well. I got sick of wondering when I was going to get better, how I was feeling, if I had enough pills, if I could make it to the grocery store. I could, You know what I'm saying. You just get tired of it. Your brain gets tired sometimes. That's called getting healed. When your brain gets tired of being stupid, you heal. But God taught me spending time in the word and believing what I read and meditating on it would heal your mind. That'll heal anything. See, that's the road to healing, is give your full attention to the word and nothing else. Don't pay attention to that other stuff. Or, you know, a couple of times the devil tried to get me to relapse. You know, the, the worst thing about losing a husband was thinking about, am I going to lose my mind too? See, once you've lost it, you, you covet your sanity. Or your version of it <laughs> you know, my version of sanity, <laughs> whatever you know what i'm saying you you' careful about yourself, you guard yourself, you have to you know you because you've been there, you don't want to go back again. It's like people who have who have been on drugs or had a girlfriend that that said she she wrecked her her life with her family she slept with all of her relatives husbands just couldn't stop herself somehow she had a husband that broke her face up that stopped her she cried out to god and was saved but you know people who live those kinds of lives have to watch themselves you did watch yourself if you used to take drugs and liked it got to watch yourself you know guard your heart with all diligence your heart start getting selfish and goofy like it used to do when before you were saved you go right the dog returns to his vomit the bible says last state of the man is worse than the first we got preachers that that drive, died in a hotel room of a drug overdose because that life came back on them So you you do have to be, you have to be wise. You have to be careful. You can't be foolish about things. So the the Samaritan came back and gave thanks. You know, and this is the other thing I want to let you know, too. You will pray for people, and they will get well, and you'll never know about it. Because the people that come back and give a praise report is like 10% you got it. So don't be expecting, but no. And see, this is how the devil messes up with people's heads. We think we don't know if those people are healed or not because we never heard. But they are healed by your faith. So you believe that God healed them because you did what God told you to do. And and they're they're well. Okay, so that was 10 lepers went in. <clears throat> All right, so this other example is crumbs from the children's bread. There's healing power in crumbs from the children's bread. That's in Matthew chapter 15. We see the Syrophoenician woman. She was a Syrian, Greek, the Greek part of Syria. So, of course, another Gentile. She knew nothing about the Jewish law. So she's coming to Jesus, not sure. You know, they heard him preaching, they believed that he was inviting everybody that heard to come in, but you're not sure. It's like many times with us, we're not sure. We don't admit it, but we're not sure. Well, because enough time will go by where you don't have your answer and you're not sure. And so we can identify with these people. Who were outside of the covenant of God at that time, not knowing that faith came before the law and faith will always get you close to God. Faith in God will always equate to righteousness and and that's everything. So that's that's the only thing that's standing between you and God. Matthew 15, it's starting verse 22. Verse 21, Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre. And Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast, cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, she's crying after us. They ain't crying after you, disciple. She won't Jesus. She ain't asked for Peter, James, you, you see how twisted people can get real quick. That's the entourage. Don't have no power, no faith, no nothing. They just along for the ride. But she, get rid of her. She chasing us. She ain't chasing you, chasing Jesus. Is the one to send her away. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered and said, it's not good for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She said, yeah, that's true. But the dogs eat of the crumbs from the master's table. He said, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, number one, she's the first instance. This woman doesn't know what to say to Jesus. It's like us. We want to be healed. It's, well, let me call for Oh, no, I can't do that. This is too big for the altar. <laughs> this is the biggie right here. I got to go get something checked out. I don't know if that, see if they lay hands on me. This blood pressure so high, it may not go down right. See, we never know. We miss our opportunity. You got me? Somebody's blood pressure is going to go down when hands get laid on them. Huh? Why not you? Now this diabetes, it ain't going to move real fast. It ain't going to move with that needle either. And your funny diet and your weight loss. and all, It ain't going to move. None, none of that stuff going to move that. He sent his and healed. He didn't send no medicine. Mm-hmm. He didn't send the anointing needs no help. Now, I always have to throw this in for the nervous people. Take your medicine if you want to. Okay, that's the disclaimer we have to throw in there. People accuse us of snatching people's medicine from them. And she won't even let a baby have an aspirin. That's your baby. You get a baby aspirin if you want to. Huh? Give him a beer too. I don't care what you do. <laughs> it's your baby. Huh? But I'm telling you, if you want your your illness done away with, you must get the word. Now, sometimes we get medicine lazy, huh? The people that get medicine, not lazy, is the ones that know it's no cure. You know what I'm saying? They get get a little more energy about them. But you know, sometimes you take that medicine, you don't, don't even meditate on the word, don't even think about get medicine lazy. Huh? get happy with it. Hmm. Dependent upon natural situations to take care of a supernatural problem see to me i would take it if i'm taking the medicine take the word with it every time you take a pill just to keep yourself honest you know you know humor yourself pretend like you believe in god you understand what i'm saying just So she complains to Jesus that her daughter is grievously tormented. <laughs> Drama queen, huh? Now you know a lot of times people think if they complain loud enough, oh, it's just so bad. I mean, ooh, you, oh, the pain you just don't know at night when I'm ooh, I'm tric- I can't even let a, a sheet put on, my, stay on my toe. It just hurts. See, we think if we add enough drama to it, God'll move. Oh yeah. Huh? Sometimes people when they come up to the altar, you have to stop them. Cuz you know you were the minister, you know I'm I'm human like you, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm waiting for the altar to be clear so I can get out of here just like you are, you know? <laughs> Are you about to clear it out? You know, as long as we keep God in here, we can work with this thing. But, you know, your words, you know, you feel the anointing lift. You say, whoa, wait a minute, come back, God. You shut up. You understand what I'm saying? This is is not good. Okay, hold on to your complaint and the anointing, too. Complaining blocks faith from being expressed. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You got to speak life in order to draw life to you. You must. That's why faith is 100% necessary for you to get anything from God. So you got to send life. You got to sow life to reap life. You got to sow faith to reap what God has. And so this woman comes up complaining and Jesus doesn't say anything to her. Why? If you regard iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. He does not have to respond to this lady. So he rejects her. He says, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's up to her to make the next move now. Sometimes you set out to receive something from God and it doesn't happen. You need to go back and express your request again. Because the answer is never no. Anything that requires mercy, compassion, faith, the answer is never no. It's always yes and amen by us. Because Jesus has already said yes and amen to it. It's already yes and amen by him. So we have to confirm and accept and exercise our faith toward him in order to receive what we need. If you see what these people do, the people who get it don't take no for an answer. They keep coming back. Huh? The disciples want to slap her around. That's how irritating she is. Oh, man, she's following us now. Oh, boy. Can't get rid of her. And she's a sinner woman. Hmm? So her first attempt is try to move him emotionally to have pity on her because of her situation. It's not fair. Why me? That's the mentality she has. This is different from the attitude of, say, the centurion who's interceding for a servant. So you'll see other examples of people who are coming to Jesus on behalf of somebody else. The centurion is very careful about his words. He doesn't want to offend the Lord. He doesn't even want to be in his presence. You got me? So he's very respectful of him in that way. But this woman doesn't know anything about Jewish customs. She doesn't know anything about religious practices. She does not know anything about that. And so she's getting in there the best way she can. She figured, well, I'll complain and I'll whine and I'll see if that moves him. It doesn't move him. He tells her, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Something clicks in her brain and she says, oh, that means I should worship him. Because that's what she does next. Isn't that what she does? So she's trying to figure him out, trying to figure out how to get him to do something for her. And that's what we do. We don't really know. We know what the word says and we know what we want, but we don't really know. So you've got to try some different approaches with God. We try, well, I'll just confess the word. Well, no, I should worship more. I should read the, you know, uh, the Bible, some verses every day. I need to spend more. You understand what I'm saying. We're trying different things. And so she says, he tells her, uh, I only come to the lost sheep of Israel. So she, she starts to worship, worship him. The first situation, Jesus observes zero faith in her. Zero faith. All she had was a complaint. That's why he didn't say anything. But he does give her a response that will lead her in the right direction. And he says, I'm only coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know what that does for people who are determined to get something? It makes them angry. You ever been mad because something doesn't come to you right away because you don't understand something? You're a little frustrated with it. You get angry about it. And then you finally tell God what you really think and what you're really thinking about. And so at least now you're being honest. He can deal with honesty and he can see if he can get you out of your condition that you're in so that your faith can be released. So this woman is angry, she's frustrated, she sees these Jewish people snubbing their nose at her and at Jesus, and she thinks, well, what's going to move this man? So she tries worshiping him, falls at his feet, and he tells her that you're not even invited to sit at the table because you're a dog. now how would you feel Hmm? Hmm? number one jesus is reading her mind he knows the thoughts of everybody by the holy spirit he knows that as long as she thinks she's unworthy to receive anything from him she will not get it everything that god does with us folks once we've made our request And we prayed and we've asked everything he does is to get us to release our faith. Everything. Everything. He's not just giving her a conversation. This isn't just talk. This talk has a purpose. And this talk is to move her from complaining to trusting him. To move her from a confession of death to a confession of life. To move her so that she expresses her faith and gives him something to work with so that he can heal her, her daughter. He wants her daughter well, just like she does. But he cannot do anything until her faith is expressed to him. Period. I don't care who you talk to, what you think they mean and all that. And God can do anything. He does it by his laws, folks. If he makes an exception for you and you can't, you don't have to uh, uh, obey the law, what does that make him a lawbreaker? He's breaking his own law. God doesn't need to change the law of faith in order for you to get something. He knows how to move you to faith, just like he did this woman. This woman got so mad, she told him, what do you mean, dog? Before that, she had been calling herself a dog. She had accepted it because the Pharisees called them dogs. All the Jewish people called outsiders dogs, especially Samaritans, especially Gentiles. I'm sorry. And so while he's she's thinking to herself, this man is not going to do nothing for me because he's looking down at me because all these Jewish people hate us and call us dogs. He calls that out of her. He just identifies it. And says, okay, I see what your problem is. He said, and we're going to deal with it right now. He called her a dog to her face to see what she would do. She had more faith than she thought she had. Because she didn't tuck her little tail and run and say, well, okay, I just, I can't get She said, what you mean, dog? So said, I don't care if I am a dog. Any d- decent person feeds their kids first, but the leftovers always go in the puppy's container. Huh? She said, you can feed your kids first, but there's always going to be some leftovers at the kid's table so the dog can eat, too. Huh? In the father's house, I don't care as long as you're in the house, honey, you're entitled to whatever it is that comes off that table in the house. I know y'all don't give y'all dogs tables. What you give your dog, that that blue buffalo? (laughs) See, when I said scraps, they (laughs)
1: look...
0: care I give Coco cheese twists I put them in a popcorn container for her and she gets them out by herself even without hands my dog's smart.
1: <laughs> whatever
0: no, she don't never know we might not come back for several days she got to <laughs> fed for herself Find that little popcorn container. Get them cheese puffs out of there. Go on eat, sister. I know we went to the vet. I confessed to the vet. We we're a bit overweight. She said, I've seen worse. I said, thank you. We'll take that as an encouragement. <laughs> so she moves toward him with her angry faith. And it it affected a healing for her daughter. In other words, she knew deep within her that there was some mercy inside of Jesus. She just didn't know how to tap into it. He helped her tap into her faith. Whenever you pray and you ask God for anything, if your faith isn't right, your confession ain't right, he will help you get it right so that you can get what you need from him. God's not so small. His mercy includes instruction. His mercy includes uh, giving you uh, time. You know, people always think, well, I got I to gotta get to surgery because I, I don't think the word will work in time. Oh, yes, it will. Huh? That word will work. The minute you start, the minute you believe you receive it, you buy yourself time. Huh? The word preserves your life. You'll be around when the people who had the surgery ain't here no more. Huh? Because it preserves your life. So get on the word. And I mean on it. Believe in it with everything that's in you. And don't believe anything else but the word. When Jesus works with us, he works on the the problem that we present at the time. Sometimes we want the final answer and he's working on the presenting problem. Like this lady's uh, sense of unworthiness. That's a very common thing that people are plagued with when they come to the Lord. And they came to him for healing back in the day. It was always, I know you can, but will you? Are you willing? And they didn't feel he was willing because they felt so unworthy. It's like, who qualifies to get anything from him? But as long as you put it out there, you give him something to work with, he'll work with what's what's ailing you and what's keeping you from going to the next step. There's a next step in that conversation with God that will take you over into your promise. You just keep going back. You keep asking for answers. Brother Hagan built his ministry of questioning God every time he didn't get healed. He went back and questioned God some more. And as God began to enlighten him, he built a ministry off of that just by asking, wanting information. Every time he asked, God had an answer for him. So this woman is is presenting many things going through her head, many doubts and many issues. But Jesus answers them all. And at the end, he tells her, he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you are willing. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The faith was there all the time, folks. It just had to be
1: expressed.
0: Her faith was being pressed down by issues and problems. And I ain't worthy. And my daughter is on my nerves. And this man don't care because I done whined and cried and worshipped. I done, done everything. And still don't get nothing. And then on top of that, he insults me. And that made her mad. See? Any mother that wants a child well, if somebody stands in the way, he make them mad. You got me? They could be nice up to a point, but, you know, you cross that line and <laughs> all, all ten fingers will come out. <laughs> no, it's true. So he said, great is your faith. It was in there all the time. There are things that we'll go through. That will cause our faith to be squeezed up to the top where it's great, man. It's great and it's great enough to affect a healing and a cure. Amen. Praise God. Amen. How much time we got, Miss Juana? Okay, we'll do this one then. Um, <clears throat> the centurion bats a hundred. Oh, come on now. Centurion hundred. Come on. Give me a little credit yeah all right i'll spare you You don't even have to laugh at that one that's <laughs> that's in luke chapter 7 i think i'll use that the centurion was in charge of how many men 100 men so he's batting a 100 okay hello i was in a good mood when i was making my notes i don't know why y'all in And lepers wenting. (laughs) I'll torture you with my 12 days of wenting song. But, uh, okay, so what did I say? Luke chapter 7, is that the one I want? 7 and verse, I think it's starting in verse 2. It says, when he had ended these sayings, he in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. A certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. When he heard of Jesus, he sent unto the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. So anyway, any, uh, in other words, this uh, centurion... Being a Roman or being employed by Caesar and people came from a lot of different backgrounds, decides that he's not worthy to to do this. So he has others intercede for him. As others intercede for him. You'll get a lot of people that want you to pray for him because they don't feel they know how or they don't feel they can, but they want God's help. It's a good place to be in. So they said he loves our nation, build us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. He was convinced to go and heal this uh, man's servant. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I always wonder what kind of house he lived in, man. What was they doing up in there? He he met him on the road and told him, don't come in the house. (laughs) The white glove, I flunked the white glove test. He says, he says, uh, uh, he said, I'm not worthy for you to enter my home. Wherefore, neither did I think myself worthy to come to you. In other words, he's confessing all of this unworthiness, unworthy because he doesn't know anything about the Jewish law. He doesn't know anything about Jesus. He knows he has supported them and he's done some good things and he's wondering if that might be enough to get favor from the Lord. He just doesn't know. And he says, he said, but if you say a word, my servant will be healed. He said, for I'm a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, I say to one go and he goes, another come. Yet yeah, in the in the rulers of the synagogue obey you, too. You got more authority than you know, brother. Jesus heard these things. He marveled at him and turned about and said to the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. One, tra- one version says he was made whole from that self-same hour, the minute Jesus spoke the word. Why? Because the the, uh, the uh, centurion believed he would be immediately healed. See, it's according to his faith it was made manifest. But this man starts out as being unworthy. He didn't want to hinder he didn't want his unworthiness to hinder Jesus' response to him. So what does he do? He sends intercessors ahead to plead his case for him. And this is what you are, you do and I do. You know, hopefully you understand that. That it's a, a respected position. It's an honorable position. And it's a position worthy of respect. It's worthy because God listens to our prayers. He hears the prayers of the righteous, even if they're made on behalf of people who don't feel worthy. You know, you never really talk to people too much when they ask you to pray for them. But you know that there's something that they feel that you have that they don't have. And that's relationship, that's position, that's influence with God. Whatever they feel you have, they're relying on that to get them what they need. And this is what the centurion was doing when he sent the rulers of the synagogue and they said, Jesus, you know, come and see this man because he's a worthy man. He built the synagogue. He's done some things. See, they're just as dumb as he is. You don't have to be real bright to be an intercessor. All you got to do is be in a good position. You just got to know your position in God. And do what people ask you to do. Huh? They must see something you don't see. So they go to, to Jesus and tell him, you know, this mans he doesn't want to come. He's, you know, he's a Roman. He, he works for Caesar. He's a rough kind of guy. and But he loves his servant. And this is the thing that 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 drives sometimes people to desire something from God is their love for the person that is needing the prayer and God knows when people are loved he knows when they're respected he knows what's motivating people to ask but they still have to have confidence in him faith has to be apply you can't love somebody and and just pray and hope something happens you've got to have faith and so this is why he comes to the rulers of the synagogue to get that missing element i love my servant i want to see him well he's very valuable to me i don't like seeing him suffer i don't want to see him sick but i don't have what it takes to go to jesus i don't think and get get what i need Jesus is going to have to look favorably upon him one way or the other. Whether he goes directly to him or whether he goes through intercessors, he's going to have to see something in this man that he can respond to called faith that's going to cause him to get this servant healed. So one way or the other, the centurion is going to have to have the goods. If Jesus could have healed him, the servant, on the words... Of the rulers of the synagogue he wouldn't have been coming to the house so here we got intercessors with no faith interceding for a man who feels unworthy he still gets healed all of that mess to cut through and the guy still gets his servant healed serve an awesome God folks I don't know sometimes why we sit around and wonder about things and worry about it. I think we just like worrying sometimes and if we can get beyond look at how feeble these people's attempts are to get God's attention and to get him to do something and he still does it anyway he works with us anyway He's in there with us 100%. Jesus is always 100% in your business. Always 100%. Helping you. Turning things around for you. Getting you understanding. Getting you motivated. Getting you straightened out. You know, sometimes you think you straight and you... <laughs> Look at the mirror and say, I'm a hot mess. All this, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, you just Kimball on in somewhere like you got it going on. You trying to fool the peeps. (laughs) It's so messed up, it's pitiful. You know, anytime you think you got a, a corner on some kind of little knowledge or something, you just watch yourself. You better check yourself or you wreck yourself. (laughs) You ain't even close. (laughs) So, the centurion sends people he thinks are worthy to intercede for him. Jesus is sensing faith somewhere because he's walking toward the house, he's responding to the request. The request is like this. It's like, hey, Alicia, tell, go pray for me. Tell Jesus I need so-and-so and such-and-such. So and such. I'm releasing something into you. Hmm? And then you go and you talk to Jesus about it, and you tell him to come. We're going, This guy wants his servant healed. Well, Jesus is on the, he smells faith. Alicia, you ain't got it. But you know what? That's the that's the uh, the ruler of the synagogue. He ain't got it. See, when Jesus walks further with them, he's sniffing out the he's, who's, got who's got it, who's got it, who's got it, who's got it, who's got it. He keeps going toward the source of the faith because if the if the rulers of the synagogue had it he would have said right then he, the boy's healed i go no further but he had to go further to find where the faith was coming from and he finds the faith coming from this centurion so it's not in the intercessor i mean that ought to make you happy folks Because if the person making the prayer request to you is believing God, you're just a mouthpiece carrying the, you're just affirming the message. In fact, your head is going, huh? Like, (laughs) you mean to tell me you was? Your kid was in an accident and their brain is smashed up in their skull like a, like a boiled egg. You know how you can, Swish a boiled egg and the inside squishes up and the shells off. Yeah. And you, you want God to heal her? Okay, I'll pray. Before I go, my head goes crazy. Before I go tilt. I'll put as much faith in with that as I can. But Jesus is going to get to the source of the faith. Sometimes it bounces from one person to another one. Sometimes you have the faith because you're not in the situation. And then you kind of walk off from it. And then I have faith because now I'm in the situation. I've got to believe God. You got me? In agreement, it'll happen like that. Sometimes one person is believing more than the other person is. I can believe for you real good because I don't have your mess to live with every day. See what I'm saying? I just have the word to look at. I can believe that for you and with you. The centurion thinks he's the problem. (laughs) How many of us take on the responsibility of God because our prayers don't get answered? We think we're bigger than he is. Huh? Huh? I must have done something wrong that can't be ever be made right. Well, I must have messed up somewhere and that's why it's taken so long. Huh? No, it's taken so long because you mess around with your head like that. Or maybe it's not ripe enough for you to pull it off the tree. Do season. I said due season. See, people don't like this. We want everything instant. We want to believe we got all the faith in the world all the time. But there is a season when things are due and not before. Jen, remember when I used to tell you, come pray for me because I'm going to kill my husband because he wasn't saved. And she prayed for me. Lord, I bind all these violent spirits. <laughs> hey, Jan, i call them out on you in a minute. I thought, I know I had all that, but get it out of here, because I don't mess with this brother something fierce. Huh? <laughs> but in fullness of time. Hmm? See, if you want to get people messed up in religion, keep pushing them to do stuff where God's involved. Keep pushing them. You know, you need to check yourself sometimes. You know, we I know I needed to check myself. I pull a knife on that brother. You won't confess Christ, huh? Cut you. <laughs> Throw the tomahawk, (laughs) blow dart, I key you. (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) The centurion finally had to speak for himself, but he spoke through the intercessors. See, he kept sending messages. The faith was in the message. I'll say it again. The faith was in the message, folks. It gets transferred through the intercessor to the throne room of heaven. Every single time. Jesus said, this guy did everything through messengers because he felt unworthy. Jesus will not allow your feelings of worthlessness to hinder him. He won't have it. Because he can make you worthy. He helps by bringing us into covenant through the forgiveness of sins. But this man's faith is accounted as righteousness. He said, speak the word only. That was a righteous statement. When we step on God's word, he honors our faith and gives us what we ask for. Even healing somebody that we love. They said the, the servant, he loved the servant, and the servant was of great value to him. Jesus sees, see, this is this is the love of God. When you esteem the other person more highly than yourself, that's, that's what makes faith work. It works by love. And so all of these things are necessary and essential that we express them. You know, people who do these, uh, you know, kind of like prayer robot type people, they don't really care about people they think they get power with god and they think they're all this uh, you, you know come on now you could find a better intercessor you understand what i'm saying there are people that get in people's ears all the time and hear their prayer requests and you wonder how much power with god they really do have because they're so detached from everything as far as caring as far as Really getting in there with people and, and doing what needs to be done for people, you know. Um, God will challenge you in some, some ways. You know, there are some things that I used to think I, I'll never pray for, for that for a person. You know what I'm saying? Legalism. You just make a judgment. Anybody comes to me and says that? But God. God will change your heart about things. He'll make you see things more like he sees them, you know. And I'm not talking about anything illegal or immoral or, you know, any, nothing God didn't want to get involved with. But he'll make you grow up in your understanding of people's needs and what they feel that they uh, need from God, so forth and so on. And And he'll cause you to mature beyond where, your little finite mind thinks you, you should go with things. he will make you grow up. He'll make you mature and understand what it's like to be in a bad way and feel unworthy. And then God shows them somebody that has, has power with him and that has influence with him. And and that shouldn't be taken lightly. When you have that position in God, you need to use it to God's advantage. Amen. So we're going to have our altar call. I'm going to put some music on back there. If anybody needs prayer, you can come up. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, you can start coming up now. We'll be done before 3. I think. Praise God. Pastor Shirley.